COVID-19 is still around, but that doesn't mean the Army ROTC programs are not there for you. Earn scholarships for school and pursue the career you want. The leadership developing Army ROTC classes will give any full-time student the focus and resources that can open doors down the road. Start sharpening the skills that will carve out your future today. Learn how at GoArmy.com ROTC. Army ROTC, now accepting college scholarship applications. Visit GoArmy.com slash money for college. You know I'm right. Nick Durst here with Joe Calabrese. And Joe, I know you are very excited for our guest today, someone you have a close personal relationship with. Very, very special guest. I mean, all our guests are special, but, uh, but this one's great. Uh, currently NHL.com senior writer, uh, publishes his co- weekly column over the boards once a week, every Wednesday. Uh, he's the current host of the Rink Podcast. Uh, and you could also find him on NHL Network. Uh, he does his super uh, Sweet 16 segments, uh, which is basically the NHL power rankings every week. Uh, we're really, really excited to have him on. He's a huge Giants fan. And he's a huge Mets fan. So I know that's right up your alley, Nick. You're, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. Uh, Dan Rosen. Dan, thank you for coming on with us. Really, really appreciate it. I hope you're enjoying the holidays so far. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. No, I appreciate it. Holidays are good so far. Uh, looking forward to getting some hockey started, though. You know, I mean, we're a day away from training camps opening for seven teams, and then uh, they're on the ice a day after that, and the rest of the league is open Sunday, and away we go with two weeks before we start actual games. It's going to be fast and furious. It'll be great. Are you surprised that we are seeing a season start before February? No, I, I thought, I mean, look, the original target was December 1st. Um, that was a, obviously a moving target from the National Hockey League, and rightfully so, because you, you, you know, you, you shoot for the stars and then you, you adjust if you can. Uh, then it was January 1st, and that kind of got had to get pushed back as they awaited agreements with the NHLPA and went over all the protocols. I mean, it's, there's so much that goes into this. It's, it's an incredible amount of information and agreements that need to be, you know, struck and uh, documents that need to be written and lawyers that need to sign off on it. It is just so much stuff. But that we're getting going on January 13th, I think is great. I mean, if you think back to the, the lockout season of 2012, 13, you know, they were able to play 48 games. And I think the first game was around January 19th or 20th. So, and they were able to finish late June. Um, this one gets pushed a little bit to, to mid July, uh, which gives them a little bit more runway, but uh, you know, I, I'm not surprised. I'm excited. I'm happy that we're going to get going, that we're going to have a season. I know there's hiccups along the way. We've seen it in baseball and football, and we're seeing it in basketball already, uh, college basketball especially. And there's going to be hiccups. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be like the bubble was for the playoffs, but we're going to have a hockey season. I think it's great. Yeah, we'll certainly get to the bubble and the next season, but we want to start off with your career, your origins here. Growing up, were you always a big hockey fan? And when did you make the the shift to say, you know what, I want to work in sports. I want to work in hockey. Was this when you were in college at Arizona or is it beforehand? No, I was always a big hockey fan. I grew up in New Jersey, Northern Jersey, where I live now. I live in a town, Fairlawn, New Jersey. It's where I grew up. It's where I live. Um, I grew up a Devils fan. Uh, my first memories, I was 10 years old, the Devils in the 88 playoffs. Uh, they, you know, 
getting in was the first time. That's when I really kind of got hooked on the game a little bit. I didn't play ice hockey. I played in the street and I played with buddies and whatnot, but was never an official player, I guess you could say. Uh, so, but I've always had a passion for the game. I always love it, but I love sports. I went to the university of Arizona, uh, because I knew I wanted to work in sports and, and I wanted the warm weather. I mean, let's be honest, you know, coming from New Jersey and it's not that it's not as cold as say Winnipeg, but you know, Hey, I wanted the warm weather. Um, and, and, uh, and the girls, I mean, let's be honest here too. All right. So, <laughs> um, so I wanted the warm weather and then the nice looking women, um, and I knew I wanted to work in sports and I figured I'd go to a big school with big time athletics and I would find my way. And I did, uh, I was, you know, for two and a half years, I worked at the Arizona daily wildcat, which is the student newspaper. I majored in journalism. I covered everything at the school in terms of athletics from the basketball team to the baseball team, sports editor, football team, all kinds of things like that. And, couple months, you know, then I worked a little bit in Tucson, Arizona at the local paper, the Arizona Daily Star for a couple of months, got a job at the Herald News in North Jersey, uh, which was owned at the time by is owned by the people who owned the Bergen Record. And that was my hometown paper. And I wanted to work in New York. I wanted to work in New York professional sports. That's what I knew at the time. And it turns out that I covered high school sports, got moved over to the records newsroom because they merged high school sports uh, coverage, the Herald News and the Record. And that was my window. That was my opening. I got assigned to do a, a practice, uh, cover a devil's practice. And I think I got assigned to do it because nobody else really knew hockey other than Tom Galitti, who was the devil's beat writer for the record at the time. Now my colleague at NHL.com based out of Washington um, and I knew hockey. So I went and I wrote a story on Scott Gomez. I'll never forget it. Come back to sports center was like, wow, that was pretty good. Maybe he'll send you a little bit more. And it turns out that was 2002 03 season. So in the playoffs in 03, they needed somebody else to cover sidebars, do some away team stuff. I thought it would be for a handful of days. It was the entire playoff run. The devils went on the run. They won the Stanley cup. And I met the people who hired me at the NHL four years later on that run. Uh, so if you ever think that you're never going to network yourself, you never know when you're going to network. And it was there that I was networking and took a while, but that's where I also kind of figured out that I love this sport. I love the people in the sport and this is the sport that I wanted to work in. Uh, and then it, you know, four years later, I get the job at the NHL, but in that time between i was doing more devil's cover it was fantastic and that's how i got that's how i got into it so when you went to arizona my question uh they won the national championship in men's basketball was that your freshman year or did you go there yeah. that was your freshman year right was that was my there? freshman year that was my freshman year 96 97 the 97 national cha championship team was i was a freshman and i mean you peak early, man. Like you know, that was uh, that was the best night of of college life for me. And we and I loved college life, especially out there. It was awesome. But that night when they won and the celebrations going on around campus, and I remember watching that game. You know, in, in a buddy's apartment with like thirty of us there, body surfing each other when Miles Simon was hitting free throws and. I mean, think about that now, man, they wouldn't be allowed right now, but you know, uh, that, you know, at that time it was incredible, but that was my freshman year. And, and not only that, it's the only time I ever won an NCAA tournament pool. 
that year. Nice. Good for you. That's Started awesome. Started off early with the wins. So uh, you spent six years working at the record, which was, then was the Bergen record, right? Uh, you covered the Devils during that run, which was pretty monumental for you. And, and I can imagine the people that you met there, you know, we'll get to them uh, real soon. Uh, but did you cover anything else when, when you were at the record? What, what other kind of things that they made you do? Uh, we know you're a Giants fan. We know you're a Mets fan. Uh were there any other sports that you covered? Did you ever really want to cover anything else? Because we see people now uh, who are multidimensional who can cover multiple sports. Uh, so they ever asked you to do anything else like that or no? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I covered high school sports. That was my main job at the record for that time. And I got to tell you, I mean, if you can cover high school sport, my, my feeling on, on it has, has never changed. If you can cover high school sports, you can cover – anything in sports and the reason i say that is because in high school sports you got to find all the information yourself there's no game notes there's no website to have all the stats given to you and all that you're there on the sideline let's think of a high school football or a high school hockey game you're there on the sideline you're taking notes you're doing your own stats you're following everything you've got to find the stories and you know, it's not for the glory because, you know, I mean, there's a small community that appreciates it, not a national community that appreciates it. But I love cover. I mean, I covered high school hockey, football, baseball, basketball, you know, you you name it, softball, track and field, wrestling, you know, all of it. And then professional sports wise, before I got to the NHL, I did some Mets coverage, some Yankees coverage, not a lot, but enough, you know. Um, I did some Knicks, I did some Nets, I did some New York Liberty. Um, again, it, it was dribs and drabs of that stuff. It wasn't a ton, but it was enough to gain more experience and, uh, you know, in terms of covering professional sports and it was all necessary for me to be able to do what I do now, because it made me more well-rounded and understanding, you know, just the business, the media business and how to cover games and the effective way of covering games and finding stories and writing features. I mean, it was all a great learning tool. So you're, you know, just a few years out of college, you're a big Devils fan. All of a sudden you are in the locker room with the Devils. Were you starstruck at all? And how did you contain your excitement to look professional? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I actually wasn't. I wasn't starstruck because I, I was a couple of years out of college at this point and I knew this is what I wanted to do for a living. So I knew you couldn't be starstruck, you know, like you, I certainly remember staying up late nights, you know, watching Marty Brodeur win the Stanley cup in 95 and in 2000 and, you know, I remember in 2000, it was the summer after my, I had a couple more classes to finish and, you know, at Arizona and I was the only one interested in the Stanley cup final and was up late watching the games and all that. And then standing in the locker room with Marty Brodeur and Scott Stevens and Ken Danico. Yeah. Scott Niedermeyer. I mean, it was very cool. Let's not, you know, I mean, it was definitely cool, but I wasn't starstruck because I knew I meant, I knew I was supposed to be there, you know, I, and I knew what I was doing was, was important was important to me, important to the, to the readership. And I knew I could do it well. Um, and so you have, like, I went in there, I'm like, okay, I am not a fan. You get rid of that. I am covering this team now. And that's where I lost my fandom for the devils. I mean, just, I used to be a devil's fan. I am no longer a fan of any hockey team at all. 
because you can't be, you just can't be in this line of work. Um, it's part of the reason why I, I appreciate working in one sport because I love being a fan too. So I love being a Mets fan. I love being a Giants fan and an Arizona basketball and an Arizona football fan. I'm not losing that, but I, I'm not a fan of a hockey team. I'm a fan of the game. I root for me. I root for good stories. I, I root for, you know, great, interesting action, watching, you know, good games and um, finding good things, you know, within the game to tell those types of stories. But uh, I, I couldn't be a fan uh, and you can't be a fan and do this job the right way. So 2007 NHL, they looking to expand their digital presence. And just about that time period, a lot of companies, a lot of leagues are looking to get a, an online presence. So what was the, the process like for you to, to A, find out about that position being open and B, just the interview process and ultimately getting the job? Well, yeah, it was interesting. Cause like, like I said, in 2003 is when I met the people that hired me in 2007, right? So you, but you keep those relationships across that time. If I lost the relationships, I would probably not be at the NHL right now. It's just, so anytime I would see those people, obviously not in the 0405 year because there was no season, but you know, you know, in the following seasons, you know, 0304 when I did a little dabbled in a little coverage and 0506, 0607, those seasons, anytime I would see them, I would talk to them. I would ask them what's going on. And I, and in 2006, before the C, the 0607 season, the guy who eventually hired me came to me and said, we're, we're hiring now. I want to bring you in for an interview. And I said, that's great. You know, I interviewed, I didn't get the job at that time, but he said, we're going to be hiring again before next season. So just stay in touch. So that's what you did. That's what you do, right? You stay in touch. Um, I think a lot of young people look at it now and that's the old school way, right? You know, actual personal touch, you know, like, um, you know, every time I see him, we would chat, we'd have dinner together at games or whatever it is. And a year later, they were hiring again. He called me in and I got the job at that point. So it was just a matter of continuing the conversation that started in 03. So you're working there for a few years. Then all of a sudden, NHL Network launches and we, we start seeing you on the network. How did that opportunity come about? Do you enjoy doing the television appearances? And would you ever consider potentially becoming a full-time TV analyst such as EJ Raddick? Or, or somewhat of those regards. Yeah. Um, so how that came about was we initially started doing some video stuff for NHL.com. Um, it was new. We weren't doing a ton of it. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, I kind of found an on-camera presence, if you will. And the, the, the numbers start, the, the video hit starts were going up and, and they were, they were, people were consuming them. And as we started to do that, more of a video presence, quick hitters, mailbags, fan mailbags, whatever it may be, the NHL network kind of caught on that we were doing that and kind of got put together in that sense. And I started doing some work for the NHL network and it kind of just rolled from there that my on-camera presence uh, grew. I got better at it. I learned more about that type of craft in the media and it just kind of built from there to, to where now you know, I'm, you know, I'm not a, I, I can't say I'm semi-regular on the NHL network. I, I, you know, that during the season, maybe a little bit more regular once, twice a week uh, in the off season less. Uh, but it's just something to me that I feel comfortable with. 
uh, that somewhat comes naturally, to be honest, and it doesn't for a lot of people, but it, but it does for me. I'm not tooting my own horn, but it's just the way it is. And I love doing it. I, I really enjoy it. I have a great back and forth. If you've watched, I've had a great back and forth with DJ Erratic um, when we go on and we do things. And, and it, it makes you do your homework. You can't be wrong and like in, when you're writing, but it's quick hitters. It's live a lot of times. You, you know, you got to do your homework. You got to know what you're talking about. And I really enjoy that. Um, I think it's an extension of my coverage for NHL.com. And I would consider it, no, no question, doing it full time. But there's always a part of me. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. But if it ever were to come to pass where that would be more of an avenue that I could pursue, I would look to pursue it if possible. But I wouldn't give up the writing. I, I love I love I would still dabble within the writing. I love the writing part of it. And and if it never came about and it stayed this way for the next 20 years, I'd be happy with that, too. What do you remember about the the 2016 season, January through July? You got Joe as a copy editor at NHL.com. <laughs> I want to know how much of an impact did Joe make on, oh. on getting your work to the next level? I don't, I don't know. I, it's, oh, boy. You know what? There, I would tell you this. So. When you're a writer, and Joe could probably appreciate this as as a you know someone who's copy editing and you know do, taking the writer's work. When you're a writer, your best friends need to be your editors, okay? <laughs> and you you may get angry at them at times for changes they make, but nine times out of ten, if not more, when they get a piece of your writing, they will edit it to make it better, even if it's a slight change. So it never mattered to me who took my copy. It never mattered to me what they did with it. Uh, you know, what they, you know, it was, that it was, it, and it still doesn't. Um, but what do I remember? I mean, not much because not, not, not much. Yeah, it was more all. than a few years ago. It was more than a few years ago. Not much. And that's a good thing to not remember much because that means it just rolled. It just flowed. I think one of the stories that I had that you did I believe it was a Wednesday night game and the Rangers played. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. COVID-19 is still around, but that doesn't mean the Army ROTC programs are not there for you. Earn scholarships for school and pursue the career you want. The leadership-developing Army ROTC classes will give any full-time student the focus and resources that can open doors down the road. Start sharpening the skills that will carve out your future today. Learn how at GoArmy.com ROTC. Army ROTC, now accepting college scholarship applications. Visit GoArmy.com slash money for college. The Red Wings, and I think it was a one nothing game. Okay. I, And then I believe you did a Penguins game. I think it was a Penguins-Rangers game. But you did a few stories that I that I ended up taking your, your yeah. article on. And I mean, like, the editors that they have there are exceptional. I, I mean, I think they're all great. I mean, we had, uh, we had Brian Compton on one of our early podcasts. He was great. Uh, I like, I still love Sean McCollin. Uh, yep. they're all great. They're, they're all fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they've been there for a really long time. And obviously the, the, the style guide is, is all written by uh, a guy named Mike Baglino. And I incorporated 
the style guide when I went over to Secaucus. So when I write a video stuff and I do video stuff for NHL.com, I keep his style guide in the back of my head. And if somebody never wrote something like following the style guide in my head, Mike screaming to me, like, you know, like (laughs) screaming would be the right word. I'm compelled to change it. (laughs) Even if it's grammatically correct, even if it sounds good, it's just the way it is. So that's, that's the way that things operate there. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say you become like a drill sergeant, but uh, what what they do is really, really exceptional. Uh, and I think the style uh, that they write towards uh, and then uh, show that on NHL.com, uh, it's, I think it's why you guys are successful in what you do. You well, know, they, they run a really tight ship there, but a really quality ship. You know, one of the things, you know, the style can sometimes frustrate a writer. Like it does frustrate me sometimes. Like I want to do this instead of that, but there's, you know, it's not on everything you do, but there's certain restrictions in terms of the style um, that they want, the editors want us to be read better. And Mike Bataglino breeds this stuff, you know, and and since he's come on board, there's no question that the copy on the website is better than, than it was prior to that. Okay. It's just something that you get, but, but it's better. A lot of times it makes it better. Not we're writing for a hockey audience. It's a very specific audience. And I think with that, you understand, and that's how we kind of write it. And that's how, that that's fine with me. So I wanted to double back for TV for one second. Uh, so you mentioned your time with the devils. Uh, when you make TV appearances, have there been times where you've been on, like on camera, uh, like in the arena and stuff, and they go into the studio and you had like conversations with guys like Mike Rupp and, and Ken Danico, uh, have they ever like, you know, pull the rib on you or anything or, or joked around about you or, or kind of, you know, referenced, uh, you know, your early days when you were at the record and, and you were coming in and covering stuff with the Devils when they were there playing? But one of the things that's great with those guys, uh, with guys who have played the game, is the insight that they have is so good and and unique because I don't have that insight. You know, you got to get it. You got to learn it, right? Um, it's a really unique insight that they have and you can talk to them about what it was like when they were a player. What did they go through and stories that, they, oh my God, the stories these guys have. Like they, every single one of them could write a book. It really is incredible. The stories that they have, the stuff that goes on in the locker room that we don't ever hear about now, it's pretty incredible stuff. But yeah, I mean, there's a handful of times where I'll joke with with uh, a guy like you. Remember, I was standing there in that scrum, and oh yeah, I remember you asked me that question. It was terrible, <laughs> you know, like you know, <laughs> things like that. They do happen, but more often than not, it's just about their experiences. So you used to blog on the side. Evidently, you don't anymore. Maybe it's a company policy. I, I don't know. Uh, but you used to blog on the side. Uh, used to be called Rosen's Rants. Now. Personally speaking, I think that's a really oh, found creative. It. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds creative. It would be great to implement it to what you do. Uh, but so I want to jump start, uh, jump ahead a little bit because I want to mention uh, and I want to lump this into the TV stuff, uh, the Rink Podcast, which launched last year. Uh, it, it's been very, very successful so far. I mean, I've listened to most of them uh, and I, as well as I listened to the 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 NHL fantasy stuff that P Jensen does. And and that stuff is really great too. But so the ring started, I believe it was early last year. And now we're going to get to 2021. So it's almost, you know, going two years now on this podcast. It started in 2019. Uh, So, so my question is how has the rank podcast and have like having the NHL have a a legitimate Mm go-to podcast that you can utilize 
uh, for new stuff that's breaking, uh, for player injury news and stuff like that, uh, for transactions and trades and free agency and stuff. Uh, how much more has it helped you knowing uh, that you have that tool in your, your arsenal now that you, you previously didn't have for a lot of years? Uh, and do you think we're going to have Rosenrantz ever come back maybe <laughs> as a, a TV segment? Uh, maybe you do it after like power rankings or stuff, or maybe you, you, you do it consistently on the podcast a little more. Yeah, we could do that. I would, I would be happy to do that. No question about it. We actually had a Sean Rourke, who's my co-host and, and an editor at NHL.com. He had a rant on our podcast this week. That was a pretty good one about the world Junior. So if you're listening, if you want to go listen, it's the at the ring podcast. It's a good world juniors rant. Um, I would be happy to bring you back to Rosen's rants. I started that just, you know, I remember in the, in during the lockout in 2012, because I just needed an outlet to write and I didn't know what was going to be happening or what was going on. So I just figured out, oh, let me, let me write a little bit about my interests. And I did, and it didn't last very long, but yeah, as a writer, you just always want an outlet to write, you know, I mean, you really do. Yeah, um, but in terms of the podcast itself, I love doing the podcast. Um, I think the podcast has, given me another voice uh, with, you know, like, you know, within the repertoire of who I am in this, in this field, it's given me another voice. It's allowed me to expand on some things on thoughts that I have. I kind of view it as an extension of my mailbag with guests, right? Um, because you are offering opinions. It's, it's the way we structure our podcast is we want it to sound like, and I hope it does. And I think it does. We want it to sound like two guys or three, depending on who's on, sitting around a bar talking hockey. That's it. That's what we want it to sound like anybody else, except that we've got a lot of inside knowledge. So we're going to get that out, but it's really supposed to be two or three people sitting around, a hockey, you know, sitting around talking hockey. And I hope it sounds that way. And because it's that, it's more relaxed. Um, it, 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 it flows. It's 45 minutes to an hour. If you love hockey talk, we, we cover a lot of different details. We always have good guests on, uh, I mean, this week we had Ralph Kruger from the Buffalo Sabres, their coach, and he's just a terrific guest and we get him, and then we can create another story on NHL.com as a result of it too. But I really enjoy the podcast. And I remember back before I got the job at the NHL, I blogged. we started a blog at the record. It was called the varsity aces. It's still up and running. Um, and this is when blogs were becoming really popular at the time. It was really before Twitter and, you know, everything. Uh, and we started this blog and it was an extension of our high school sports coverage. And I was talking with a colleague of mine, Art Stapleton, who now covers the Giants for the record. And he, he and I were both like, in this business, in this field, with the, with the way the media can change, if you're not multimedia, you're going to get phased out. And the podcast allows me another layer with with the writing, with the TV, with the ability to go on radio, with, with all that thing. And, and it kind of makes you more just, I think, just a, a well-rounded, uh, just a more well-rounded, you know, I guess you could call it personality within the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think all your TV stuff and the podcast stuff you do is really enhanced uh, your overall coverage. I mean, you, you cover the league now through print, through TV, through audio, with the podcast. Uh, you become really like their go-to person. So uh, definitely can attribute all that uh, with that. Um, so I remember personally when I was there, one of the most hectic days, I would say probably in league history. Uh, that's, that's 
what I've what I've heard uh, was the day that Gordy Howe passed. Now that day was oh. for a lot of different reasons that you oh, know man. of that I'm not going to to, to share. Mm-hmm. But uh, you've had the opportunity uh, to be able to to work at the record. Uh, when a lot of really good stuff was happening in, in terms of New York sports and, and, and local stuff happening. Uh, and obviously you've been at the NHL for over 10 years. What were your most crazy, hectic days or days where you just had everything like jam-packed that, 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 that stand out to you and, and that you remember the most? That one. That one with, without <laughs> question. It's a... It, it, I'm trying to remember all the specifics, but that day that, that, you know, the, the great Gordie Howe passed, by the way, I was so lucky at the hockey hall of, uh, with Gordie Howe and, um, just, you know, you're lucky, you know, that's when you're starstruck, right? That's when you get a little starstruck. Uh, you can't help it. You just can't, you're a human being. You just can't help it. Um, but that day when Gordie Howe passed, we were flying, uh, I believe I'm trying to remember, I believe we were flying from pittsburgh to san jose in the stanley cup final yes and we had a layover in dallas uh i don't remember which game it was after but we were on our way to san jose i believe and we had a layover in yeah we were on our way to san jose we had a layover in dallas i didn't have i didn't you know when at that time if you can turn it off for two hours you turn it off for two hours right and that's kind of what it was like on that flight it was just like i'm gonna watch a movie i'm not gonna care about anything else going on in the world right now same with all the other you know people that i work with that were on the flight any other media right we land in dallas everybody turns on their phones as soon as you land and oh my god gory Howe passed away right and i think we had an hour layover and in that hour layover i did phone interviews at the terminal, in the terminal by the gate with Nick Lidstrom, Mike Babcock, and Wayne Gretzky. (laughs) Just bang, bang, bang. Never in a million... If you asked me to do that right now, I couldn't get all of them on the first try. But I got all... for Somehow, some way, got all of them on the first try, right? And had enough, wrote on the plane, got on the plane, wrote on the plane had filed a story by the time we landed in San Jose. And then once we landed in San Jose, got our stuff, got to the air, to the hotel, we were staying in Santa Clara, right actually by uh, Levi's Stadium. Uh, there was more to do. And it was just, and, and not only that, there was off day coverage that we had to do for, for the Stanley Cup final as well. You couldn't just ignore the Stanley Cup final off-day coverage. So we had that as well. A lot of the off-day coverage was went in associated with the passing of the legend Gordy Howe, but it was just one after the other after the other. And by the time you could sit down and have a dinner or something like that late that night, and remember, we picked up hours because we were going out west, so to work longer, um, it was just start appreciating the coverage, but you also realize the appreciation everybody has for Gordie Howe, which was incredible, uh, which is why I think I was able to get all three on a one shot because anybody wanted to, everybody wanted to talk about Gordie Howe and what he meant. But that day was memorable to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you mentioned the Stanley Cup final then. Uh, obviously, it was a 2016 Stanley Cup final between the Penguins and the Sharks. Uh, 
in your time there, you've gotten to cover a lot of Stanley Cup final games. You've gotten to cover a lot of stuff related to other events like trade deadline stuff, uh, the draft, the award show, uh, events in season like the All-Star game. Uh, what was your favorite moment that you covered for the league as a league employee? Uh, and on the, the other side of that coin, uh, what was your favorite event that you attended or that you were able to be there in person uh, as a sports fan? Oh, as a sports fan. Okay. Yeah. But it could be when I was working at the league yeah, too. I was there. It could be when you as were a sports fan. So that the number one of that question. Okay, well that's 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 easy for me. The 2008 Winter Classic in Buffalo. Um, I was up in Buffalo for the full week before once the NHL took over the stadium uh, and saw it all the way through. Nobody knew what they were doing. It was the first time that they did a Winter Classic. Um, I mean, people knew what they were doing, but you know, there was so much thrown into it. it, it you know, it wasn't it wasn't as set as it is now in terms of you know how they how they go about it. And then being there and being outside. Uh, when you know NBC comes live and the PA announcer does, says NBC is going live to us right now and the place just goes nuts and then being there and hearing the noise of that crowd at a hockey game it was just incredible and then of course Sidney Crosby scoring the shootout goal in the snow and all that that was just incredible that memory will never fade and um, yeah without question I did an oral history on that 10 years after the fact so a couple of years ago uh, talked to a lot of different people that were involved in it. It was, it was just great to, mem- you know, go back and think about all the, the, the moments from that. So that's no question about it. That was my most memorable moment just as a sports fan. And I got to work it, you know, they let us in for free, which is pretty cool. Um, as doc Emmerich always told me, he's like, oh, Dan, it's great. They keep letting us in for free, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's right about that. Uh, in terms of games, I've covered specific games I've covered. Um, there's, probably I, w- I would say two three three stand out uh without question number one the gold medal game in 2010 at the olympics um i mean the place was incredible you knew the the, the pressure the the tension in the building especially after zach parisi scored and it goes to overtime and i remember you know we're, you know, the, the press box for the Olympics is actually right in the middle of the stands. It's like the old Meadowlands, like the old Continental Arena, where it's right in the middle of the stands. They give up prime seating for the media in that in that setup. And the puck goes in. I, I was writing a game story. The puck goes in. I stand up. The place is going nuts because you knew Canada scored. I just look and I look down at my colleague, Sean Rourke, and I go, Crosby? He goes, Crosby. And I sit right back down and filed my two paragraph lead and sent it in 30 seconds later. And then you, you don't realize it until after the fact, until you're outside the building, exactly the, you know, what just happened. Um, but that I'll never forget. Uh, Patrick Kane scoring the goal that nobody else saw to win the Stanley cup in game six in Philadelphia. Although Patrick Sharp insists he saw it. I don't think he <laughs> did. Um, if, you know, he said, look at my reaction. I said, all right, but Kane's yeah, really going to yeah, he had a good angle of it, but Kane's really the only one that reacted. Uh, so that one I'll never forget. I was also doing the game story for that. And then in 20, uh, what was it? 2013, I believe. Yeah, 2013, the the, the Bruins uh, Blackhawks and the Blackhawks scored two in 17 seconds to win the Stanley Cup in game six in Boston. That was pretty incredible when I had to completely rewrite my entire game story 
in about a minute and a half. <laughs> um, that was pretty hectic, but you know, those are the moments that you love because you do it, you get it done, you know, as a, as a sports writer, you know, you feel that the deadline pressure and the feeling of, you know, getting it in. And then, then that, that relief of when you do and, and you realize then that you got to see something pretty historic, pretty amazing. Um, those are the cool moments. Yeah, for sure. And uh, what's nice is that I think everything is a moment in time, right? And I mean, yeah. you rattle off those moments and, and that's even, like you mentioned moments that were more almost 10 years ago. Now uh, the blues run, uh, not obviously Terrific. not this season, but the season prior and everything that they had gone through on that run. Uh, you could very easily do a documentary on that. Uh, Ovechkin winning the Stanley cup too. Uh, it's a moment that Nick and I always talk about a lot uh, as Rangers fans. Uh, we have the rivalry with Washington, but as just fans and passionate fans of the game, you know, you love when you, when you watch things like that. Uh, I remember when Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com. I was working at the league uh, a couple of years ago when I was doing the, the copy editing. The, the all-star game that we had uh, was the game uh, where John Scott was the captain. And oh, yeah. And everything That's surrounding right. Nashville. that. Nashville. Uh, you know what I mean? So you just you, – you, you go through your career, and now you look back on these incidents, like these moments as moments and times, and uh, I think it's just really, really great. Uh, and I think uh, – so I want to transition this. Uh, into your over the boards feature, uh, which is like your weekly mailbag and uh, a lot of stuff that you do, a lot of the questions that you come in, again, moments in time. Uh, what were the craziest questions uh, that you have ever been sent that you can share with us uh, that, are, that are somewhat PG-13 that you could share here on the podcast? Uh, it's tough to remember some of them, but a lot of the questions that – the create some of the crazy ones that I do get are you know involve like league details, right? Like details that I, I don't have that information, right? I mean, like, <laughs> I'm a I'm a writer, I get it, but you know, I, look, I, I work for the league at the same time. This is on the league's website, so I mean, just this past week, I got asked the question of like, you know, do you actually think there'll be a season? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I hope. Right, like uh, I hope you know that's the plan. Um, now, some of those, some of those questions are like, or just you know, the the odd question, uh, you know, because because of because of where I'm based in New York, and I do a lot of Rangers coverage, so I get, you know, a, a, you know, a good amount of Rangers Islanders questions, Devils questions, and 
you know, it could just be, you know, the, the negative tone of the question. You could definitely hear the negative tone of the question. And then you got to like, well, calm down, relax. You know, everything's going to be okay. You know, it's, it's all right. Or, you know, yelling about, you know, especially when AV was the coach with the Rangers toward the end, yelling about AV or yelling about Mark Stahl on defense in a question like, you know, just, and, and some of them are like in all caps too, you know, right. it's just, which is the way to yell on Twitter. So I do get it. And they come from it. accounts like John seven, seven, three, eight, five. Yes. Know, yes. Any, you, the more numbers you have at the end of your account, the less you're really going to be taken seriously in my opinion. <laughs> so Dan, obviously you've been covering the AHL for, you know, almost two decades here, 20 years. And then and in, the, in the time period of your covering the game who have been, you know, the, your go-to guys that you need to get interviews from the easiest people to work with uh, who are some people who are difficult to get questions from and how is that ultimately changing for you now that you're not going to be in locker rooms, you're going to be doing yeah. most things remote and you're going to have to go through other avenues to get in touch with them. Uh, the best to work with um, Marty Brodeur without question, Marty Brodeur. Uh, uh, when I was still at the record, the lockout ended. Uh, they were back for the 0506 season. It was an hour and a half before a Devils game. And I went to, yeah, I think it was the 0506 season. I went to Brodeur. Well, I went to the Devils PR person and I, I asked for Marty Brodeur. And he said, hold on, let me find out. And this is a starting goalie, right? Goalies, in some cases, don't even talk on game day. Well, Marty came out. And we spoke for about 10 minutes, an hour and a half before he was set to play in a game. And I thanked him for it. And I said, Marty, this is great. Thank you so much. I mean, I didn't expect, you know, you to come out. It was a, it was a quick ask. And he goes, we just sat out a year. We got to do whatever we can to help. Right. And he could talk to you about anything at any time, at any moment. He was terrific. And he had a book on every player in the league. So if you had any question, even if it didn't pertain to the devils or who they were playing that night, Marty could help you. There's no question. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist uh, covered his entire career with the Rangers. Wish him nothing but the best now that he's going in for open heart surgery. Um, just a class act. Just incredible to deal with. Always willing. Always had to give you the time for what you needed. <clears throat> um, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's 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 PR around it, Sidney Crosby. And there's PR around Alex Ovechkin. Uh, so things can get cut short and the PR people are just doing their job. I have no complaints about it at all, but the time I've spent with Crosby and Ovechkin, particularly Crosby, because I've, I've been in Nova Scotia for his three Stanley cup parades there and um, just sitting with him <clears throat> chatting off the record at his locker after he's done with his media scrum I learned so much just from being around Sidney Crosby and talking with him. I, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a privilege to learn from a guy like that uh, within the game. I think a top five player in the game, no question, but I mean, you know what, a lot of times too, the, 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 the great players to deal with are the ones that aren't the stars. Um, <clears throat> they're willing to talk They're they're They have perspective, you know, being in the Rangers room and Dan Girardi was in there. Dan Girardi was terrific. Um, I have a good relationship with him now and in, in retirement. I mean, Dan Girardi had a perspective on the game, had a perspective on the league and, 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 you know, how the game should be played. Dan Boyle, the same way, um, you know, guys like that were, were just, a, you know, 
are, have just been great to deal with. And now in their retirement, like a guy like Ryan Callahan announces his retirement officially today, um, dealt with him, talked with him a lot when he was in New York and in Tampa. And now I'm at the point where I can text him and say, congratulations. You still doing stuff with the NHL network? Yes. And we can communicate in that way, just from the relationship we built when he was a player. It's not friendship. It's professional relationship. Um, and I think that needs to be, there is a difference. Um, and it changes now, you know, because you don't have that personal touch. You really don't. And you don't, the one thing about the way we have to do the media now, and I'm not complaining about it because we have to do it this way. Uh, you just can't dig and you can't get the time to sit with a guy after he does a scrum to really find out something else that two weeks later might turn into a story for you. That's just not there. It's just not available for you right now, but we're all living in that time. So we just got to deal with it. So you mentioned Lundquist, obviously very well respected by all of his peers, everybody in the league. Has there ever been a player in your time that you've covered a league that a lot of the other players just did not like, and maybe, you know, people were like, you know, I don't really like dealing with this guy. I don't want to talk about him. And it might have been an interesting character or whatnot, but it's just hard to get stories on. Um, doesn't happen very often in hockey, to be honest with you. Um, I think the one player in the league that if you went into, uh, you know, you went into a locker room and asked about him, you might get colorful answers or you might get somebody to say, I don't want to deal with or talk to this guy, talk about this guy. But if you go in his own locker room, they're thrilled to talk about him and they'll talk all day about him. Brad Marchand. Like that's, he's the polarizing figure because of how he plays the game and what he does on the ice and how good he is and how much he's a bit of a, you know, a rat getting under your skin and doing things like that. Right. He does it so well. He really, I mean, he does it so well. Um, and you can do it if you have the skill to back. And it up. He, yeah, he's a hundred point player too, right? So he does it so well. But you know, it doesn't happen in hockey a lot where guys just will say, "I don't want to talk about that guy," especially if it's somebody on your own team. Or right. why don't you go ask him that? The, the frustration builds at times. You may get that every once in a while, but it's rare. Um, I always like to say that, and, and I actually tweeted it yesterday when we found out about Jonathan Taves and. You know, he's dealing with some, some, I don't know what he's dealing with stuff that's making him lethargic and, you know, uh, run down and he needs to, to work with that and try to figure out what's going on. I tweeted it and it, it makes perfect sense. Like the Jonathan is a great to deal with. He should be one that I mentioned among the guys that, that are terrific to deal with, but the hockey world is a small community. You know, it, it is big. There's no question about it, but it feels small when you're in it and it's competitive within the players and the coaches, but guys care about each other and you wish nothing but the best for them, except when you're playing against them is how guys will, will talk about it. And th there is that. Yeah, sure. There's a few guys that, you know, maybe this guy doesn't like him or he doesn't like him. Like if anything, if you have 700 people together, but it's a small community, people push for each other, pay pull for each other. And, and uh, they wish nothing but the best for them, except when they're playing them. Yeah, obviously, you mentioned Marty Brodeur. You have a very close professional relationship with him. Uh, you know, he's very outspoken about Sean Avery back in the day. What do you remember yes. about that little feud there? Well, I thought, um, look, I mean, Sean Avery is a personality. He's different from what we normally see in hockey. Does it have to be bad if somebody's got a personality within the game? No. I, I would have preferred to see... Sean deal with it in, in other ways. That's who he was. That's who he is. And 
it's okay. And he was tough to deal with at times, and he was good to deal with at times. The stuff with Brodeur, I, I mean, I remember Marty trying to just kind of slough it off a little bit and get frustrated a little bit at times. And I don't think that was easy for, for Brodeur because he didn't want to feed it. But at the same time, there was no ignoring it, right? I mean, this was Devil's Rangers, you know, and, and it was a rival, and it is a rivalry, but it was a rivalry at a time both of them were really good. And here's this one guy who's waving his stick in his face and getting up in his kitchen all the time and saying things, calling him, calling him names and all that stuff. And it's a Hall of Fame goalie who's got all the rings and trophies to throw back at him. But none of that would work with Sean Avery. It just it just wouldn't work. Um, you you ignore him if you can, but it's hard to ignore. Like I said, so I think that was a difficult time for Brodeur. Um, I think he handled it all right, uh, but that that was that was Sean Avery, and that is Sean Avery, and you know that's kind of just who he was as a player in the National Hockey League. What a remarkable, remarkable moment that was. <laughs> it's like it's like the fight at MSG. Well, I, got the gloves right after opening face yeah, off. But people like and the, and the thing with it with that is he's the I, the perfect example of if he plays on your as a fan. I'm talking if right. he plays on your team, boy, you love that guy because he's doing that to Marty Brodeur, right? But if he plays against your team, boy, you hate that guy and you want to see nothing but bad things happen to that guy on the ice. Yeah. And I think another guy who fits this description is uh, Scott Hartnell and the former NHL network analyst. Now uh, I think he played like that. He was a little less, I, I would say dirty, uh, definitely yeah. more gritty, natural, gritty player. Good to get under your skin. Uh, but he's another guy I think who uh, is, I agree simple, with that. Maybe not yeah. as much. Not, not as, like you said, not as dirty, not as, um, yeah you know, magi magician-like, you know, like where you're yeah. going to do something and only you, only like the guy who he did it to would know that he did it, but gritty, always in your face, never shy with his mouth and, you know, his words and, um, but successful, had a, had a long, successful career. Very, very successful. All right. So we're going to transition now. Uh, 2021 season is upon us. Uh, the NHL was able to get through the 2020 season. And I think what everybody was able to accomplish uh, with the league constructing the bubbles uh, that they did in both Toronto and Edmonton to be able to finish out the season, uh, to be able to keep the players healthy, uh, COVID-free, to award the Stanley Cup when they did. Uh, you know, congratulations to the Lightning. I think a lot of tremendous accomplishments, the league and everybody uh, who covered the playoffs uh, during the pandemic, everybody should be uh, basically praised. So now 2021 season's upon us. Uh, training camp start for the teams uh, tomorrow. Uh, those seven teams that were off sooner than everybody else. Season starts January 13th. One of the most important things that I think heading into this season uh, is going to be the geographic realignment of the four yep. divisions, uh, the restructuring of the locations, I think is going to play a, a huge factor here. I think a lot of teams uh, will benefit from this and a few teams will not benefit from this. Uh, so for anybody who doesn't know the four divisions is going to be one Canadian division, uh, essentially what the Metro division has become 
Uh, they're basically swapping out two teams and replacing them with Boston and Buffalo. Uh, so the metro area in the Northeast is kind of uh, geographically all jumbled together. Uh, the East and the South is kind of one division. And then everything from uh, the middle of the country on West will be one division, right? Uh, so my question, Dan, is do you think travel will be more of a factor or less of a factor uh, for this upcoming season, assuming that they get through the season, uh, the 56 games being able to play mostly uh, into the team's home arenas? Uh, and do you th which teams do you think benefit the most uh, from the divisional realignment? Well, I don't think travel is going to be a factor. Um, I, I think, you know, because there's going to be less of it for a lot of teams. You know, you just think about, you know, in, in the in the East Division, um, I'm trying to remember exactly how David Quinn put it to me, but it was like, it's like they're playing a minor hockey schedule where they just got to go from rink to rink in the local area, basically, <laughs> you know, uh, hop on a bus, go to a rink 15 minutes, and it's not that close, but I mean, you know, they, they, the Rangers, the Devils, the Islanders, the Flyers, the Capitals, the Penguins, the Sabres, and the Bruins. I mean, it's pretty tight quarters there. So I don't think travel is going to be an issue. They don't change time zones. Where travel could be an issue is the, the North Division, the Canadian-based division, because that's the only division where they're going cross-country. Um, you know, Toronto's going to have to go to Vancouver. Vancouver's going to have to go to Toronto and, and you know, all those Montreal, all the vice versa. So, but I don't think it's an issue. It's normal. Um, and they're not going, you know, uh, all over the place. They're going to a city. They'll stay there for a little bit. So I think travel will be less of a factor this season, which will help because the games are going to come fast and furious. 56 games in 116 days, 114 for some teams, you know, that's a, it's a lot of hockey. Uh, that you're going to be playing. So you, you've got to be rested to be able to do it. Uh, I think anybody, yeah, I, I think the Buffalo Sabres take a hit from moving to the East Division. Uh, I think would they have had a chance to make the playoffs in the Atlantic Division when, you know, in the old, in the, in the format that we're used to? I don't know, but they had a better chance than they do, I think, in the East Division. I think the Rangers take a hit with, I think any of those teams, Pittsburgh, the Capitals, the Rangers, the Flyers, um, yeah, I think those teams, the Islanders, they take a hit because Boston's coming in, right? I mean, Boston, in an ideally, in what we expect, Boston's going to knock one of those teams out of the playoff mix. I mean, only the top four make it. Uh, there's no wild card, so five from one, three from the other. It's not going to happen. So I think Boston's going to knock one of those teams out. Um I think, you know, I, I think a team like Arizona and Minnesota in the West could, I think a team like they could benefit from it, especially in Minnesota. I think Minnesota benefits because they're now not in a division that includes Colorado, St. Louis, and Dallas, and Nashville, and right. Winnipeg, right? They're in a division that includes Colorado and St. Louis and Vegas, but there's an opening there for that fourth spot. The three California teams are are struggling a little bit, not what they've been in the past. Arizona's there, but there's an opportunity there for the Minnesota Wild. They might not have been there. They might have been sixth in the Central Division. They could be fourth, you know, in the West Division. So they they certainly benefit. Um, I think a team like, like Montreal will benefit. Uh, I think a team like Columbus will benefit. Columbus not being in the Metropolitan Division. Carolina in the same way. I think that division, the you know, is a little bit easier than what the Metro would be. So, uh, there are some teams that benefit. There are some teams that take a hit, but everybody's got to play it. And it's going to be fascinating really to see how it plays out because you're going to get eight, nine or 10 games 
between these teams. The teams in the North Division are playing each other. COVID-19 is still around, but that doesn't mean the Army ROTC programs are not there for you. Earn scholarships for school and pursue the career you want. The leadership developing Army ROTC classes will give any full-time student the focus and resources that can open doors down the road. Start sharpening the skills that will carve out your future today. Learn how at GoArmy.com ROTC. Army ROTC, now accepting college scholarship applications. Visit GoArmy.com slash money for college. Ten times. Everybody else is going to be playing each other eight times. What is that third or fourth game going to be like? Um, especially if you're playing it over a span of like two weeks. I mean, it's, it, I don't, I hesitate to say playoff feel, but it's going to have, it's going to be, as Sean Rourke, my co-host on At The Rink, and you know, my editor says, there will be malice to be had. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how the schedule uh, ultimately plays out. Uh, and obviously, the, the fact that it's only 56 games, uh, it's a little more of a sprint than usual. Than the, yeah, the there's no runway if you get off to a slow start. Right, it's correct. You know, you, you're, if you're you know, oh six and one or oh seven one after your first eight games and you really luck. get tag yeah. out of the puck when you come out, that's it. You know, I, I don't want to say your season's over because it's not really over, but you know, theoretically it would be really hard to yeah. yourselves out of that, that point home. But uh, so another thing that I wanted to bring up uh, is essentially what the league is doing when it comes to expanded roster rules. And uh, there's going to be a taxi squad essentially yeah. uh, with the, with, well, with all these teams uh, throughout the season. Uh, so it's very interesting because uh, this is, I guess, the first time the league is really tinkering uh, with an expanded roster in this capacity. And obviously they're doing it uh, in light of what's happening with COVID and the pandemic going on. Uh, but what's interesting is we see this with, with the NFL, really, with the practice squad. And, and I think the concept of the practice squad has given a more players opportunity uh that, that they would no, not normally get. Uh, I think in, in, when it comes to the NHL, I think these teams could possibly benefit from this concept because you could allow prospects who maybe you don't think are quite ready. Uh, maybe they could stay uh, down in the minor leagues, you know, moving forward. So what do you feel? How do you feel about the expanded rosters? Uh, do you think uh, it's going to be something that the league talks about keeping in place uh, beyond the season? And do you think it would be a good idea to do so? I love the idea of the expanded roster this season. Um, I do. Uh, I think it's important. I think it's necessary. Um, the American Hockey League is not supposed to start until February 5th. That's a very tentative date. Their board of governors has to get meeting and figure out their schedule. Uh, our, the NHL season starts January 13th. So there's almost a month there that what do you do, right? There's going to be guys who are borderline. Um there's going to be guys that you want to send down to the AHL because of cap issues, right? The taxi squad is an opening for you. You have to do it because you need these guys in case of, you know, positive tests and whatever it may be. I think it works perfectly this season. I think it's a great tool for teams who want to hold on to a prospect, have them practice within the group setting, but don't believe that that prospect is not, is necessarily ready to play in the NHL, but, being around the NHL, working with the NHL players, the NHL coaches, I think that could really greatly benefit a prospect too. And then you've got, you know, uh, you know, you'll put veteran players. You'll have to have a goalie there if you don't carry three on your NHL roster in your main roster. But we have to mention that the, the same AHL rules apply. The waiver rules apply. So if if you want to send a guy down 
or bring a guy up and he is not waiver exempt. He's going to have to go through waivers to, to, to come off the practice, the taxi squad or beyond the taxi squad. Uh, so that all is all subject to, to waivers as well. So that's going to, you know, another interesting wrinkle in that uh, beyond this season. I don't know if it works because I don't know how the American hockey league would appreciate that. To be honest with you, um, the, the AHL wants players, the AHL needs players and the, the guys want to play. That's the other thing. So if you're sending a guy to the taxi squad right now, remember, he's not playing. If you send him to the AHL, he gets at least an opportunity to play, to get better, uh, to do those things. So I think it's good for now. Uh, In terms of a long-term commitment to a taxi squad, I'm I'm not sure I see it. Because the other factor is, is that in normal times, getting a guy from the AHL to the NHL is you can do it in a couple of hours. You know, now you have to take a couple of days. So it's uh, it's a little bit different in that sense. So this season, absolutely necessary, smart on them to do it. Uh, beyond it, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I think it's going to be crucial for the National Hockey League to make sure the AHL can survive. Uh, I know, obviously, yeah, AHL, absolutely. It's a, they're, yes. they're financially, they're all about getting fans in the stands. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on because you, you absolutely need the minors, especially with, with goalies in, uh, in hockey, because you can't just have a, a third goalie, you know, scratched every night, healthy scratch, and expect him to just jump in a, in a game and play. So that's going to be key. I wanted to ask you, obviously, we know Seattle Kraken are coming next season. Is that it? Is expansion done? Or are we getting a few more teams here over the next 10 years or so? Oh, God. No, I think, I think this is going to be it for a while. It, it, you know, we'll see, but um, I mean, it just evens things out, right? You get the Seattle coming in, the market couldn't be more excited to, to have a hockey team coming in. It's historically a hockey market. It's been a hockey market um, just without an NHL team for a hundred years or whatever. Not never an NHL team actually. Um, but without professional teams like like you're going to see there with the Kraken, 16 teams in, in the West, 16 teams in the East, um, it just makes sense. You know, it, it really – it evens things out in a normal year. Uh, 32 teams is, is enough. You can, you know, can do what you want with that, expand the playoffs if you'd like or not, whatever it may be. Um, but there's just a consistency to it that I think uh, – Makes sense, and I don't know that there's a need beyond it to continue adding teams. Getting Vegas and Seattle in to even things out in the Western Conference, I think, is a is a great thing. Vegas has been a tremendous success, and I mean, good luck, Seattle. The pressure's on because you got to match Vegas now, right? Not to get you hated by a, a fan base here, but do we have any relocation scenarios potentially popping up? <laughs> uh, not not that I've heard because there's stable ownership right now. You know, I mean, that's what the, you know, Gary Bettman will talk about it all the time. Bill Daly talks about it too. And they're right. I mean, there's, there's stable ownership, new ownership now in Arizona. Um, They're working towards trying to get an arena uh, in, you know, in downtown Phoenix. Um, Not sure if that's going to happen or not, but the, the ownership is, is far more stable than it's been. And we'll see. I mean, we'll see how everybody comes out of the pandemic too. I mean, right. You know, there, there's still obviously an unknown with that but going into the pandemic and as far as we know now there's stable ownership across the league far more stable i think than it's ever been that it makes relocation not really a priority at this point speaking of stable ownership steve cohen the new owner of the yes. new york mets yes <laughs> very exciting stuff 
And, you know, the offseason is slowly developing. We don't need to get into everything there. Obviously, the pandemic is impacting that as, it, as everything oh, else. Yeah. But Steve Cohen, he put the pressure on the Mets. He said, if I don't want a championship, if we don't want a championship in three to five years, that's a disappointment. And to <laughs> me, I don't know why that was getting such major backlash because the goal should be to win every single year. So you're I a Mets agree. fan. What do, you, what do you think of the timeline here is for the Mets to, to get their first championship under Steve Cohen? Well, I mean, it, it, look, three to five years makes sense, right? I mean, you you build it to the way place you want it. They're not starting from scratch by any means. They're not starting from scratch. There's there's some good players there. I'm just excited as a Mets fan because we got an owner now who is willing to just do, you know, okay, it's going to take that extra $30 million. Fine, go pay him that the extra $30 million. Instead of saying we're going to be involved with a free agent, but you're really not because you're like the third or fourth best offer, right? Oh, but we were involved. We were negotiating it. No, you weren't. You weren't the, you were third, maybe fourth, right? Now, when you're third and you hear what the other's offers are, this guy's going to be like, nope, we're first. Let's go. Let's let give him a little bit more, right? Let's give him what he wants. We want this player. And you're not going to hit a home run every time with it, with the guys you sign, but there's just, I mean, as a Mets fan, you got, I mean, come on, you feel it, right? Like, there's a level of excitement now that we're we're in the game. We're a big market club in a big market again. Yeah, no doubt about it. And if you're an agent or a player and you don't check in with the Mets, you're doing your Crazy. job wrong. You'd be you're nuts. doing your job wrong. Yeah. And when it's all said and done, the market might not be there, but the Mets could still offer the most money, which is a good thing they, for, for Mets fans. Absolutely. They got the they could offer the most money. They they have New York to sell. City Field's gorgeous. Um, you, you got you know pitching. You got there's so much to sell there. And I don't want to buy every free agent. I want to develop homegrown talent. I do. I think it's very important, and I think that's still going to be a key. But man, like when that free agent comes on the market, right? Springer now, whatever it may be, right? Like comes on the market. We actually are in the game this time. Right. Joe, obviously, is a Yankee fan. Probably wore his Yankee hat to work all the time. But Yeah, I know. You're used to buying free agents. Except you only won when he had homegrown talent. Right. Joe is a Mets believer, though. And, uh, you know, the Mets, like two months ago, Joe's a gambling guy. The Mets were plus 2,000 to to get to the World Series. I told him to place a bet. I don't know if he did, but now the Mets are only plus 750 to get to the World Series. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, Joe. You could have cashed in on, on, on the Mets. We'll see what happens there. But should be should be exciting. And I know you're it's a Mets fun. fan, so just wanted to wrap up the baseball and hockey talk here with you know what your thoughts were about the, the Winter Classic at City Field. And I was hoping Matt Harvey was going to drop the puck at the ceremony for us first <laughs> Things kind of fizzled out. Big Rangers fan, Matt Harvey. Yeah, yeah, he he certainly was. He he, I mean, I'm he's probably still is a big Rangers fan. Um, I I thought that you know I love the Winter Classic. I think it's great. I loved it how they did it on the field there with the taxi cabs and the New York feel. I thought it was really cool. It was frigid that day. I remember my my family came. I got them tickets. I was in the warm press box at City Field, and. They were sitting up in the 500 section behind one of the goals. And I go up between periods, first and second. And my my older son is just shivering. Just, I mean, he was nine at the time and just shivering cold. Uh, and his buddy, we didn't bring the younger one, but the, his buddy was freezing too. But having fun, enjoying it. Um, I, I, you know, look, I mean, 
it's not the most memorable winter classic, but it was a what it was a fun event. Uh, great to have it in New York. I loved how they did the decor of the field. That's one thing. Steve Mayer deserves so much credit for this. Steve Mayer from the NHL. Since he's taken over, they've really make the outdoor game feel like you know center it around what the market is or where they are. Uh, and with the taxi cabs there was a terrific idea as a terrific touch to it. You know, air force, they had the plane on the field, uh, you know, the game at Navy, they made the entire, the exterior outside of the rink look like a ship and the, the Navy midshipmen were manning the rails before the game. I mean, like that kind of stuff is just, it's great. I mean, it, I was very curious to see what they would do in Minneapolis this year. Maybe we have to wait till next year. Yeah, I mean, the outdoor games are always an amazing experience. Uh, Nick went to the one that the Rangers and the Flyers played in at Citizens Bank Park. Yeah. And I went to the stadium series game where the Rangers played the Islanders, where they played the back-to-back -back Devils right. on Sunday and the Islanders on that Wednesday. And, and I remember that Islanders game was the coldest I've ever been. That was another cold night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we're going we're gonna to start to wrap things up here. We're going to let you go real soon. Uh, my last question to you for the upcoming season uh, regarding storylines. Uh, any players you feel like we need to watch out for? Uh, maybe players who may be involved in some trade discussions, uh, potential free agents, uh, maybe outside the usual big names. Right. Uh, is there anything else you're, you're just looking forward to that, that, that really fascinates you for this upcoming season? Well, the rivalries fascinate me. There's no question about it. I'm curious to see how the Ottawa Senators come along. They've made so many additions, um, such a different look for them right now. So I'm very curious to see how they, they come along. Is Sergei Bobrovsky going to prove that he's worth the money in Florida? Because he wasn't last year, um, but he's got to have a big time bounce back season. No question about it. What's the Lexi Lafreniere going to look like in New York? Right. I mean, that there's a there's a lot of hope and big time expectations. There's no question the guy's a future all star. It's he's that good. It's just how quickly. I mean, this you gotta remember. Normal year, Alexi Lafreniere finishes his junior season, uh, gets drafted, will then go to development camp, will then play in the Traverse City Prospects Tournament, will then have a full training camp, six exhibition games. Didn't finish his junior year there is there was no development camp no prospects tournament no exhibition games and he doesn't get a full training camp so temper those expectations ranger fans um there's a lot there how's jack hughes going to come along in year two same with capo caco um no question about it that there are two interesting storylines there as well uh trying to think like a little bit of, you know vancouver with holtby is Thatcher Demko the future now? How's Markstrom going to fit in with Calgary? A lot of goaltending movement in the offseason. Is Tristan Jerry the real number one for Pittsburgh? Or are they going to, you know, be in, be in deep there? Um, same with Samsonov in Washington. Lots of, there's so many different storylines to, to follow as the season goes along. Yes. Uh, I think my one team to watch out for is Colorado. I think this is the most important season, I think, in terms of de development and possible playoff outlook for that team. Uh, two straight trips to the, this, the Western Conference second round, uh, two straight disappointing game seven losses. Uh, where it's going to be very, very interesting to see because I think they are, uh, more so than anybody, them in the Vegas Golden Knights, as of now, uh, 
the two slam dunk favorites, I think, in the West. And then I think in the East, uh, Tampa hurt, losing Kucherov is going to hurt them. They're still very, very strong. They're still very, very deep. Uh, obviously, it's very hard to win two straight years. You know, not many teams do it. The last team to do it was Pittsburgh. And then before that was Detroit. Uh, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see the Canadian division. Oh, yeah. The East and the West dynamic, because you're going to have a little more travel there between the teams. So, uh, but I, I totally agree with you on everything else. It's going to be a really, really fascinating season. Uh, and this was a really, really, really great time we had. Nick and I, we really, really enjoyed this, Dan. Thank you for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, we hope that you enjoy the new year. Uh, we hope that you and your family continue to stay safe. Hope everything works out in, in terms of, of covering stuff. And, and hopefully uh, we get through this season, uh, you know, as quickly and safely as we possibly can. Uh, what we do here is we always give our guests the last words to our listeners. So if there's anything you would like to share or if there's anything else you would like to promote, uh, go right ahead. The floor is yours. Once again, Dan, thank you again for doing this. Really, really appreciate it. Well, definitely appreciate you guys having me on. This was a lot of fun to be able to do this. This felt kind of like my podcast, the, the At The Ring podcast, just a couple of guys. There's a promotion. Uh, definitely go to NHL.com. We got a ton of preview stuff up right now and more to come with camps opening. The NHL At The Rink podcast, I'm biased, but I think it's a must listen to. So you should listen to that uh, with Ralph Kruger from the Sabres, our guest this week, do guest every week. Uh, and uh, just I hope everybody is, you know, if you're a hockey fan, that you're looking forward to the season. And of course, everybody's got to stay safe. So do that, too. All right. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. There are other famous Dan Rosens, including Hollywood film director and television writer and an actor <laughs> who put Eddie Green on two episodes of 1990s hit show Nash Bridges. But we are happy <laughs> to have NHL.com's Dan Rosen with us today. So that's going to do it for this episode. So for Dan Rosen and for my co-host Joe Calabrese, this has been You Know I'm Right. <laughs> Hey, Jen, we need to sell our home. Do you know a great agent? I do. We just sold with a local Redfin agent. It was awesome. And we paid a 1% listing fee because we bought our new home with Redfin, too. Wow, 1%. Are Redfin agents full service? Totally. Our Redfin agent did it all, and we sold for thousands more than the home next door. I'll check out Redfin today. 1% listing fee when purchasing with Redfin subject to minimums, terms, and conditions. Does not include buyer's agent commission. Learn more at redfin.com or call 844-759-7732.